You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 78 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and after a week a week absent from the podcast, which I definitely apologize for, we'll make up for it today as Eric Cole of Talking Chop joins me for the podcast. What's going on, Eric? I mean, as many times as I've been on the podcast now, I think in some cultures we'd be married. I'm pretty, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I need to go back and do a, a counter to see who's winning between you and Scott at this point. Um... Carlos still wins because he was a legitimate co-host that doesn't, for a while. That, that doesn't count. Yeah, so between you and Scott, I think it's close. I, I do need to count that up. Maybe we'll have like – I'll create like a, like a website that just tracks your appearances. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll rack up the views. <laughs> yeah, it would have huge numbers I feel like on the internet. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for joining me, Sarah, as always. But um, the Braves won on Sunday. Um, since we last recorded uh, two weeks ago, it's not been great. Uh, they answered Sunday three and eight over that time period. Now they're four and eight, so that's a little bit better. But things sort of fell off the rails for a while. It, it, we could at least talk positively because the the Sunday result, as we record this, is always the most important run for the uh, for the podcast because it's the one that was more, is most fresh in my mind and uh, most of our guests' minds, I'd imagine. But uh, you know, Sunday was fun, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, they look they look good in that particular game. The pitching hasn't been particularly good of late. Uh, the offense doesn't really look. I mean, really, neither side of the balls look particularly good. You know, when when Ender and Freddie aren't really carrying that team, it, it can get a little dicey, and that's more kind of what we're seeing. You know, it's nice to see Dansby hitting better. He's been a lot better in the last week or so. You know, Ozzy has had you know has had his moments. Had a good game today. He's hit a couple home runs. Um, you know, the 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 numbers over you know whatever sixty something at bats or whatever he has now haven't been particularly good. But you know, he's getting on base and. There's 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 things to like and there's things to not like there, but at the same time, you know, for a a, a kid who's just made his debut, you know, I'm, I haven't seen anything that's really particularly scary for me. But overall, I mean, I'm 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 not particularly happy with how the well the Braves are performing, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm not, I'm I thought the team was gonna be better this year, but if you're, I almost would prefer to either just make the playoffs or you know get a high draft pick. It's kind of like that that middling area is kind of where you kind of get yourself in trouble in terms of like development overall. So I'm not I'm not too, I guess, invested in it if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, for me, like none of the record stuff is terribly surprising. There was the there was that moment midseason uh, where people were like sort of talking themselves into like 80 wins or more because they were hovering around 500, and I never really saw that. I think I did raise my projection at that point in time on the podcast with Scott to like 76 or 77 wins, um, which now seems rosy based on the record. You know, 538s projecting the Braves finish at 73.89 now, which is about what the number was preseason. It's not a not a huge shock, and there was it's been some, up, some ups and downs, which is not to be, uh, I guess. 
not to be a shock or anything like that. So, I don't know. It's been sort of frustrating at times in watching this team because it feels like they probably should be a little bit better than they are um, at the moment. Yeah, it's some of, some of the losses have just felt particularly bad. Like, you know, just like, like uh, this team is particularly bad in one-run games for whatever reason this year. And, you know, some performances from Tehran have been pretty maddening. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's it's a tough thing to watch at times. But there's definitely some things to still be excited about going into next year. Uh, but there's definitely going to be some answers, some questions about the pitching staff that are going to have to be answered in the offseason, I think, because right now it's just you just really don't, don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's been, as you said, kind of kind of maddening. Uh, the close the close losses are never fun and uh, stuff like that because we could talk about that stuff forever. You did mention in passing um, Dan's good. I wanted to ask you about that just because he obviously, since the last time we recorded, it's been a while now since he came up. Um, again, from Gwinnett, but uh, it's been a lot since the last time we recorded. So Camargo going to the DL with a bone bruise. He's now he's still got, he's still out. There's been some uh, some delay there, and Dansby came back. I was going to ask you kind of how you think he's looked because uh, the numbers. I mean, he had a good game on Sunday. The numbers, as you said earlier, have been a little bit better. But uh, what have you seen from him? Because that's sort of the, one of the a lot of the questions that we were asked in the mailback stuff had to do with Dansby and just kind of how we were viewing him. Uh, I candidly have not seen as many live games over the last week or so as I wanted to because I've been traveling a little bit. So. I'm going to rely on you here to uh, sort of talk about how Dansby looks because the numbers, we, we can all read the numbers, and they have not been great all season long, even if they're better recently. But how does he look to you? Uh, he's looked better. It just seems like the approach is better, especially in counts where the, the like off-speed pitches on the outside, particularly sliders, would really get him. He seems like he's defending the plate a little better. Um, driving the ball. I mean, the thing is, he, he was still driving the ball reasonably well, when he, even when he wasn't going going good the problem was he was getting both you can't get both unlucky and have like an entire suite of pitches that will get you out if that makes any sense so it's kind of it was kind of a perfect storm of you know couldn't really hit sliders really well and when he did get the hit the ball he was getting a little bit unlucky now it seems like some of those balls are dropping and he is make having a better approach at the plate in those counts uh there was actually a really good fan post that we put up for that was put up on talking chop that talks about some minor mechanical adjustments that he's made at the plate uh with his swing which seems to be helping out a lot you know sometimes it's just one of those things where he has to kind of take you have to take a step back and you know get back to what you do well and try not to do too much because when you press at the plate and you're you know you're trying to jump over all over everything you know you 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 swing over the top of pitches you're not really you're not really thinking about your at bats you're just kind of trying to react too much and you have to kind of have a plan against major league pitching. So he's looked, you know, he's definitely looked better. I'm hopeful for him. Uh, again, good game today has had, has looked better recently. He has to carry that over for, you know, a more an extended period of time. Cause we've seen him do well over, you know, week, two week stretches this season. It's just that when, once that happens, sometimes he falls off and all of a sudden he's, you know, in an, an over 20 slump again or something like that. So he's just going to have to, he, he has some improvements to make, but, you know, he's brought the average up in August. You know, if he can carry this up through through September, you know, the year isn't going to look particularly great. But, you know, there's worse things that happen than, like, somewhat lost seasons when at least he can figure out exactly what went wrong and he can just carry it forward into next season and, you know, not make those same mistakes like he has been this year. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I mean, it's been a while now, again, since this actually happened, but the Braves were not planning on bringing him back uh, as quickly as they did because, uh, nope. you know, Camargo going down. What do you think of that? I, I was not surprised at all that they decided to bring him back uh, when it happened because that would sort it was sort of would have would have been a pretty bad look if they didn't bring him back and they didn't really have another obvious option. But what do you think of them making that decision, even if it was an obvious one, to kind of bring him back uh, before they were probably planning on doing that? I think it would have been bad optics if they didn't. It was kind of like a bad yes. situation. <laughs> but at the same time, 
It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I'm glad that they brought him back up and they're playing him. Yes. You know, if your if your stated goal is to get him at bats every day to try to get him right, if you bring him back up and then you start someone else at shortstop, I I wouldn't understand the move at all because there's then you're just trying. I mean, then you're just messing with a guy who really kind of is trying to work out work through some things. But they're they're playing him every day. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna have him on the roster on the major league roster, play him every day. Um, and you know we're. For better or for worse, he's been he's been doing better, and maybe maybe he just needed that wake up call. Maybe he just had to make some adjustments, and those seem to be working for him. So, I'm I'm okay with it, I guess. But it, you know, I'm always a little wary of you know jerking a guy around, you know, setting him up and down via like the the John Gant Expressway, which probably <laughs> what it is. You know, like I I don't like that sort of stuff. You know, seeing a guy up and down because I think that kind of getting a guy in his routine and getting used to you know what the environment that he's in, I think that stuff matters. Um, so, you know, I hope that, I mean, when Camargo comes back, if they send Dansby back down, even, especially if Dansby's hitting well, uh, I'm, I'll have some stronger words for you than that then, but for right now, you know, it's fine. I, I understand why they did it. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I don't love the, the process there, but I do. I'm okay with it because he's playing and that was my whole thing. The whole time was benching him for any reason was not making a lot of sense to me. So the fact that he has been playing is uh, makes it okay with me, even though it's sort of a weird uh, thing. I, I skipped over this early. I don't want to get back to it because I was looking up this number. When you mentioned the one-run games, I immediately looked, looked up to see how bad the bullpen's been um, for the season. Uh, the Braves have the 26th best uh, bullpen ERA uh, at 4.64 for the season, and that is how you lose a lot of one-run games. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things, too, where Jim Johnson seemed to be performing okay, and you know wheels, the wheels are off at this that, point. Now, 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 now that that you know, like the peripherals looked okay back then, but they really don't now. And he's and he rightfully lost that closer spot. You know, Viz has looked good, um, but other than that, I mean, when you're having to run Matt Whistler out there for a four inning save today, you know that's a, that's a little rough. Maybe Max Fried finds himself as a role there, down, especially in these last couple months before you know going in the next season. Uh, I don't mean he's I don't foresee him as a bullpen piece permanently but you know that he could probably do some work there especially since you know he has that sort of stuff that should play up in the bullpen uh when he can you know throw a little harder and you know only have to worry about going for an inning or two but you know with freed and with freed and viz those are guys that i could you know get excited about but the other guys it's a little dice here i think (laughs) so yeah but by the way if you if you are a listener and uh think that uh fip fip Fielding independent pitching is a bad stat. Uh, Jim Johnson is your example forever because his his FIP is still three point three four right now. Uh, at- and it's a, definitely it it's a, you know it's one of those things that usually like I'll, I would say a large portion of the time gives you a good an accurate representation of what a guy's been doing and you know how how well he's been pitching. But there are times where you know sometimes guys just leave balls up and they get clocked. You know what I mean and. They, and and rightfully so. And FIP tries to account for things, but doesn't necessarily account for a guy just you know throwing batting practice. You you would kind of assume that they're not doing that when they're when they're make, when guys are making contact and they're throwing pitches. So, I he hasn't looked good. It's just that's just the bottom line. He just hasn't looked good. Uh, it happens to everybody. It happens to every pitcher, every hitter. At some point, they just don't have it anymore. And it it seems like that's happening to Jim right now. Yeah, it's been bad. The ERA is like over eight over this last stretch, and uh, it, it's looked that bad. I know that. I mean, for for a little while there, I was defending him, 
and I thought, you know, justifiably so based on what we had seen before that. But uh, my uh, my pivot point was a little bit later than a lot of the fan base. But at this point, uh, uh, my, conf- my confidence level in Jim Johnson is gone, uh, and I understand why people have reacted in the way that they have. Um, just wanted to throw that out there just because of uh, that's one of the reasons why the Braves have been so bad, uh, both recently and in close games all, all season long, because the, the uh, bullpen yeah, is the, there's, the, there's a few guys in that bullpen that just don't need to be on the roster anymore. It's just that simple. Uh, so. I'm, I'm with you all the way on that. Um, on the more bright side, before we get to some more news, is uh, Tyler Flowers is still just raking. I was reminded of that today when he hit the Grand Slam on Sunday. His, his WRC Plus is now 126. We're in mid-August. Like, He's legitimately been an all-star caliber player this season, and uh, you know it's not—he's he's not carrying the same workload that a full-blown starter carries. A lot of organizations because Kurt Suzuki has been playing quite a bit this year, but once Flowers has been playing, I think it's worth mentioning again just how incredible he's been. Uh, and I don't—I don't want to say out of nowhere because he—he was good last year as well, but the fact that he took another jump up uh, is a stunner to me. And. Uh, he, I thought for sure he would fade at some point. He's faded a little bit since early on when he was uh, his when his obvious percentage was like 450 for a while there. But still, if you look at the season long numbers, uh, it's really, really, really good for Tyler Flowers. Yeah, I think he actually led the Braves last year in average exit velocity, which is bizarre when you have Freddie Freeman on your team. But he he, he has had the makings for doing well. But I don't think anyone thought he was going to do this. And I think some of the on base percentage numbers are inflated a little bit by a uh, hit by pitch per you know rate that I don't think is necessarily sustainable in the major leagues but he's been he's been he's been great I mean it's 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 just that simple I wonder if a better uh, a better receiver and a better in terms of like controlling the running game and even a better person presence behind the plate in terms of calling games how this pitching staff would perform but in terms of his offensive production you couldn't have asked for anything else from Tyler Flowers and I think it's highly likely that he's going to be the 2018 opening day catcher. Uh, I, I see that happening, and I don't really see anyone else taking that away from him. Yeah, I mean, it had to be a trade, and even then, I just I don't see that right now, just with how good he's been and how cheap he is for next year. You know, I yeah, there's there, there, yeah, there's diff, there's diff, there's different priorities now that he's hitting and things like that. You can go get someone else. You can sell another need than filling catcher. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> I guess probably a couple months ago now, I was thinking about you know what would make sense in terms of flowers and sort of selling high on him, but uh, it's at this at this point it would be a stunner if they traded him. Just to be honest with you, because uh, there's not really that that inherent option in the organization that's immediately coming. Like it's not like they have a guy ready to go. Uh, they don't really have that guy. So it's Tyler Flowers for a while. I just want to kind of throw it out there, just in passing, uh, just how incredible he's been because it's worth noting for sure. Um, other news stuff uh, earlier in this earlier this week, Danny Santana went to the DL. Micah Johnson got a, got a one day uh, return to Atlanta before going back down, uh, and Matt Kemp is back. Uh, he did sit out on Sunday, but uh, seems like he's okay, and that was kind of just more of a precautionary thing. So uh, not a ton to take away there, but I guess it's good to see Matt Kemp back, even though you know defensively probably not. But Matt Kemp is back, and that's that's fun, I guess. Yeah. I still don't mean you know seeing him out in the bases. You you just wonder if there's maybe a that you hear about these like hamstring issues and there's a there's a wide range of outcomes with hamstring injuries. Sometimes yes. you know you just you just go on the DL, you take you, you take time off and everything heals up and fine. And then sometimes a hamstring injury just lo- makes you lose a whole season because it never gets better. It was it was a relatively serious injury and I mean we see at the majors and the minor league levels like a hamstring injury depending on how severe it is can like linger and really ruin a career. 
You know, the I mean, uh, an example would be Matt Lipka. His his hamstring injury. He was in the, in the minors for the Braves, and you know, he was one of the fastest guys in the minors. Was was a super athlete, and then he had a really bad tear in his hair, hamstring, and it basically cost him. You know, at the very least, a, a chance to make it the major leagues with the Braves. And you know, he's not hasn't even looked close to the same player since then. So it's I worry that there's a lingering, more serious issue with him. But at the same time, let's. I'll, I'm gonna take a step back and see how he performs after that DL stint and see if they actually got right because he definitely didn't look right when he went on the DL. Yeah, I also worry about that. And uh, he missed just for record keeping's sake. He missed. Um, he was out from the 29th of July until uh, he came back on the 19th uh, on Saturday. So you know, about a three week absence for Kemp, and we'll see if he's fully recovered. I didn't. You know, it's one. It's one game, and then he didn't play on Sunday. So I'm not sure what we can take away from that. But uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I guess it's at least an evaluation period because um, if we know one thing, it's going to be that Matt Kemp's uh, money is on the books for a while now. Um, so if he can, I mean, I, I, if I'm the Braves, I'm, t- I'm being incredibly careful with Matt Kemp right now. There's no reason to push him uh, if there's any sort of injury thing. Not that he's this incredible commodity, but you're kind of saddled with him. So if he's not if he's not 100% or at least very, very close to it, he shouldn't be anywhere near the field right now because you just, you know, the playoffs are now not a thing anymore. So if there's uh, any, any sort of question whatsoever, he should uh, be chilling more. But I guess that decision's already been made. It's just one of those things where I would hate to think that they were rushing him back at all because there's just no reason to at this point. Couldn't agree more. Um, anyway, um, the other thing there, I mean, I don't really care about Dana Santana, but he was—he's not very good at baseball. I've decided. Uh, no, not, that's, that's not—that's not, that's not a revelation. But I think he's been treated like he is good at baseball and some of the decision making. Uh, you know, at one point he was famously hitting second in the lineup. Shots to Brian Sticker, who I will not rant about on today's podcast. I will not rant about Brian Sticker on today's podcast. Uh, but. Danny Santana, not good at baseball. Uh, that's my that's my that's my decision. I'm sorry, Danny. You know he 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 plays a bunch of positions, and as a pinch hitter, he at least he, early on he showed signs that that was a good role for him. Like in terms of like a utility yeah. sort of you know, that that uh, utility bench piece. Now when he's in the lineup, I don't know why he's treated like one of the better hitters hitters in the lineup because that's just not the case. But you know it's. Welcome. Uh, I don't know. I just remember when <laughs> Emilio Bonifacio was. He is better was, than him. Yeah, he, I mean, so if this is what I have to have to keep guys like Bonifacio off the roster, so be it. But he he has he wasn't good. Uh, I think that there's other probably better options that that can be you know filling these roles that Danny Santana was filling. Maybe this is the start of that happening. I don't know. I mean, whether I mean, do we honestly think that? Danny Santana is going to see a whole lot of playing time when he's off when he's back off the DL because I mean September call-ups are right around the corner and there's going to be guys who are going to be put on the 40-man roster because you know in terms of rule five protection and all that other stuff and these are guys who might see more you know really see some time and if that if that's the case I mean there's definitely more upside to those guys than a guy like Danny Santana. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, I should thought about actually. We should we should have thought about including those guys. But I mean, is there anybody off the top of your head that you're thinking about, like specifically when, when you say that there'd be guys coming up on the, at least on the forty man? Is there anybody that you're uh, thinking about that I'm not? I think there probably is because I'm not in the realm that you are. But is there anybody in particular that could be taking playing time away from some of these guys? Well, so we we assume that Camargo comes back and he'll be kind of if you have Danny if you have Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Albies up. The only place you play Johan Camargo is at third base. And, you know, I assume that he will be in sort of a utility role, probably playing a bunch of third base. But guys like Lane Adams are going to be around. 
you know, there's an outside shot that this guy named Ronald Acuna could get called up. I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, between between those two guys and, and in terms of AAA, probably not. Yeah, I, know. I was thinking that's, that's, it's, it's tough because the forty man is going to be the forty man roster is going to be a very hard thing to manage this year. It really a lot is of pitcher, because the pitchers in particular, when you have Max Fried, Luis Johara, guys like that, that you have to add so that way you can protect them from you know the Rule Five draft later in the later in the off season. There's a lot of choices that have to be made, and you know there's going to be some players who have value that aren't going to see the see play. I mean. Real Ruiz is a guy that you probably want to keep on your 40-man roster, but if you don't really see playing time for him anytime soon, what do you do with him? Uh, I thought that decision was going to be made a little easier until he's decided to, you know, go nuts over the last week or so. And if he ends up the season with, you know, 20 home runs in the liners, that's, you know, that's a guy you kind of want to keep around. So I don't know. It's, 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 it's really tough in terms of projecting who they're going to try to add to the roster right now and because there's a lot of guys who are going to be qualifying for it. Yeah, for sure. Something to keep an eye on. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. It's just one of those things where that I, I mean, I almost forget that that's coming. I, I don't, but I do. Like I thought about Jahara a couple times in terms of the forty man, but uh, the crunch. I mean, he's the big. He's, he's probably the biggest name along with Max. Yeah, Max was a, and Freed uh, already being up. It's one of those things where it's oh, okay, hello. Um, but I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see, and we're almost there, which I kind of forget where we're on the calendar, which is uh, my fault. But uh, still, and, it's something and, to watch. And don't worry, Brad. Adonis Garcia could come to save us again. Oh, need be. <laughs> okay. Let's do this now. I was going to ask you about this later. Is we, we have a uh, we have a uh, mailbag question from Scott Bridges asking, uh, what are the chances that Brandon Phillips is our starting starting third baseman next season? Um, there's a lot to talk about with third base. We sort of hit on it last podcast two weeks ago, but some stuff has changed. You know, obviously Phillips hasn't really given an indication one way or the other if he's okay playing third base. He's not under contract. You still have Garcia. You have Santana's played there a little bit. You have Camargo. You have Rio Ruiz. You have all these guys. What in the world happens at third base in 2018? It also could be somebody outside the organization. I mean, how many options do they have? How many good options do they have is a different question, but it's one of those things where I have no idea, so I'm going to ask you. I think it's highly likely that there's someone that's not in the organization at all is going to be the starting third baseman next year. That is what I think the most likely option is. Um, now, that said, I think that Brendan Phillips is probably – I wouldn't say zero percent chance, but it's really small. I don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna try to go somewhere where he can play his natural position at second base, where he thinks he's quote unquote more appreciated. I'm not sure if the Braves would re- mean. I'm not sure if the Braves would resign him. You hear whispers everywhere. Brendan Phillips been between the Reds and now the Braves that there's there's clubhouse things that they worry about, and you know Brendan's gonna be worrying about his money uh, at this point in his career. He's gonna probably just take the best deal he can get his hands on. Um, Rio Ruiz is. I'd say it's a possibility. Uh, I think he plays a better defensive third base than he's given credit for, but it's the bat that's whether or not he's going to play. And, you know, he has these stretches where he's super good and is, you know, a kind of a middle-of-the-order type hitter. And then in the stretches where he's just a non-factor for in games. And his, you know, his first chance at the majors wasn't particularly great, had his moments where he was where he looked good. I don't know where the Braves stand on him right now. And don't sleep on Austin Riley. Uh, because they promoted him aggressively to double A, and he is hitting better at double A than he was in high A. Uh, in a park that doesn't really give up home runs, he's hitting home runs, and he's you know he's you know kind of hitting that two eighty range right now. So I wouldn't sleep on him, but that would be kind of more of a mid year twenty eighteen sort of thing. Uh, so the answer to the question about Brendan Phillips playing third base, I think the chances of that are very small unless the Braves decide they wanted to waste a bunch of money 
to sign Brendan Phillips to play over there. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on Phillips. You know, I mean, Riley's interesting. I mean, he's only 20, but I don't know. It wouldn't blow me away if he's just great. I mean, you got almost have to give him a chance to if you, to win the job. I don't think we're going to see him this year. It almost sounds like you'd be surprised if we saw him this year. Uh, I would be pretty surprised if they call if they, if, he, if he was put on you know like a September call up or something like that. I'd be shocked. Me too. Okay, uh, I just, just want to make sure but, I wasn't crazy. But yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 Travis Demerit's kind of in that same discussion too because some because Travis Demerit's a the guy they played a bunch at third base too, uh, and then he stopped hitting altogether, yes. went on the DL, came back, and now he's kind of hitting again. And having both Demerit and Riley seeing time at third base is a little problematic. I mean, do you move Demerit over to second base? If so, what do you do with him? You know, do you put him over at you know, do you put him at Gwinnett? Do you put you know, there's a lot of, there's a ton of roster things and I I'm sorry that if I don't wish I had better answers because there's just so many moving paces in the kind of the upper levels go from the end of this year going into next year that are hard to answer because there's not it's not as simple as just player development decisions. It's also like roster management and things like that. And that gets that gets really tricky when you have a lot of guys who could be Rule Five eligible, who you kind of want to see, you know, maybe at the majors next year. You know, you have slots that you have to manage and figure out what to do with, and guys coming off the DL and all this other stuff. So there's a lot to manage there. But the, there, there's a lot of guys who I think are going to be brought into camp who can play third at some capacity. I think they're going to all get a shot to play third unless they bring in somebody, you know, a bigger name who is like, this is our third baseman. It's done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's such a weird question because I don't love any of the options for 2018. I mean, obviously Riley's interesting for the future beyond that, but and he has been quite good. I mean, it's a small sample in Double A, but being 20 and and hitting the ball like very very well in Double A is encouraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2018 is a kind of a mess. And Camargo, I just I don't know what to think about Camargo either because I think he's probably the best baseball player on this list right now. But I don't I'm not 100 percent sure of that. I mean, maybe, maybe Phyllis would be necessary. I guess Phyllis would probably be better ah, be better oh. way. I'm still. He's certainly not the guy that was like going crazy the first three weeks he was called up. Oh, fully uh, agree. But, with, I mean, but, I am. But, I am but, uh, but now, in terms of in terms of slumping, when he was like slumping and hitting like 220, I don't think he's that guy either. You know, if you're okay with you know 260 with some occasional pop at third base, I guess that's okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't. But, I don't <laughs> think. I don't think Camargo should be a plan at third base. I think that it's a possibility that he's the best player on the team next year when the season opens at third base, um, just because of the way things stack up and all the other options that we that we talked about not being ideal. Um, I do not think that Camargo should be a should be the plan at third base. That would not be a good idea. I said the same thing about him uh, in the middle infield spot. I, I don't trust the bat yet. I mean, you would know more than me about the pedigree and stuff like that. And I, I was you know screaming from the rooftops that it wasn't going to be sustainable. <laughs> but, his pedigree is so weird. It really it's is like, because his first two years in like his first two years in the minors, he was just like swinging a toothpick. Didn't hit for any power whatsoever. Didn't really hit for average either. And I I thought he had a strong arm, but I didn't think he was a particularly good defensive infielder. And now, and what you saw at the in, at the major league level kind of bore out in the minors too is that he would make like you know he would bobble balls and he really wouldn't look good fielding the ball. But his arm's so strong that he'd be able to throw guys out anyway. And he's had a few of those plays in the major leagues too. Um. And the bat, I mean, he just started hitting all these doubles in double A and was still hitting and still kind of hitting him in triple A. So I don't really know the answers to who this guy is because, yes, he bulked up, but it's streaky because he would go for three weeks and he'd be like, wow, this guy's like really like putting a ton of production on the field. And then he'd kind of go back to old Camargo. And I'm not really sure what to make of it. And against major league pitching, I just don't see it as a sustainable thing. And I think he's, I think he'll be a fine 
utility type that you can spell you can spell the second base, shortstop, third base with him. I don't think he'd be like I don't think he'd be terrible like running him out in like left or right field for a spot start here and there to give a guy a day off uh, because I think he understands defensive positioning and I think he has a strong enough arm that you know if he really had to make a throw from the outfield into the infield I don't think he'd be doing anything particularly embarrassing uh and that's kind of what we wanted Jace Peterson to be at some point it's kind of what we wanted you know we a guy like that has value those those are really good players because if he's pinch hitting he's not he's not a rolling grounder to second waiting to happen he can he can hit the ball and I like him in that role. I just don't like him as a starting third baseman, and I'm hopeful that the Braves make a move in the offseason, which makes this answering this question a lot easier. Yes, that'd be very, very nice to not have to worry about uh, any of these guys as the primary option for 2018. But worth uh, worth getting it out there. I appreciate the question from, from Scott Bridges. Um, a couple other things to hit on here before we get to the rest of the mailbag, I guess. Um, I wrote about Anderson Simmons this week. People were very, very mad about this. Um, I don't know why, because all I did was say he's really awesome, and he is. Um, he has a 116 WRC plus this year, uh, and if you factor in the fact that he's been the best defensive player in baseball, he's like a five-win player in August. So like he's probably going to be like a six-win player, and that's on Fangraphs. He could be like eight or nine on Baseball Reference, which is insane at the pace he's on. I just wanted to throw that out there, and it turned into this big talk about about the trade, and I understand why. And you know, Sean Newcomb pitched today on, on Sunday as we record this. Uh, I don't really want to relitigate it, but more to say that it does remind you, and I wanted to talk about it and sort of plug the piece too if people haven't read it, since this is a, uh, a, team, a team podcast that talks about TalkingChop.com. Uh, so, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there just to see what you thought of that if you read it and just kind of, I guess, relitigating the trade a little bit just because it does not look great. Even if Sean Newcomb is the guy that people want him to be, I'm skeptical of that, and Simmons just uh, happens to be playing the best baseball of his life. It's not great. I have a question, Brad. Yes. Why do you like to narrate Braves fans' pain? Uh, there was a lot of that. And listen, uh, just okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm only, I'm only kind of kidding. Uh, I, I, Brad knows I, I love him like no other. Uh, so please stop being mad to Brad. He was simply taking a look at the fact that there is a trade that happened and there were results of that trade. Well, let me, let me say one thing too before before you keep going. I, we have a, behind, a look behind the curtain here. We, we have an original content schedule at TalkingJob.com. It was my day to write something. And I was reading something from Jonah Carey, uh, who might be the best baseball writer on the planet. I love Jonah. He's great. Uh, and he just kind of wrote, about, I think it was like a two-paragraph thing about Simmons in, in the middle of one of his monster columns. And I was like, man, that is absurd. So I started looking at it, and I was like, oh, this is my, this is my column for today. It's Anderson Simmons. Uh, and, you have to, and you have to understand, loyal listeners, that if Brad has an opportunity to make you mad, I'm going to do it. He's going he's gonna to do it. Sure. And that's just that is just that is just how he's wired. <laughs> now, I, now I, I mean, Atlanta fans in general, not just Braves. Yeah, he's, he's coming for all of you. Atlanta sports fans. Uh, look, uh, the the trade doesn't look particularly great right now. No, it does um, not. I'm, but at the same time, I don't. It hurts when the trades when trades like that don't work out. But you have to understand, in terms of currency at the time, that it's you. It's looking back at trades in hindsight is really tricky, especially when it comes to prospects, because it has to do with the value of those prospects at the time they were traded. It is easy to look back and look at Newcomb's, you know, double A, triple A numbers or whatever, or how many times he, you know, what his what he's looked like in the majors, and ascribe a value to it that he should have been valued valued as when a trade happened. Same thing with Anderson. Anderson hasn't been wasn't hitting like this in Atlanta whenever he was traded. It wasn't happening. He was hitting 230, 240, was striking out, 
the man doesn't know how man hates drawing walks and yes he was a defensive phenom who i wish was on the team i love andrelton i i I truly do in some capacity i wish we could play him at third i wish we could play him anywhere i just want to see him play baseball because defensively he's a super special player but you look at sean newcomb as a probably at the time top 40 ish uh, some had him ranked higher, top 40 prospect in baseball. Chris Ellis, who had some upside, who seemed like he was kind of relatively major, major league ready at the time, and getting Eric Ibar back, who up until his time in Atlanta was, a perfectly, serv- was a perfectly serviceable shortstop. Yes, that, now, what that, happened, that did not go now, well, but that, yes. You know, and if you think that you know, Ibar can at least hold things down until Dansby gets, it, gets there and play reasonably well, and you get that, that kind of return back in terms of prospects, it may not be what everyone wanted for Andrelton because we love him so, but it's not awful. Now, that said, Eric Ibar was one of the worst players in baseball when he was an Atlanta Brave, and that's not hyperbole. Just look it up. He was awful, legitimately bad, and Newcomb stepped back, and Ellis stepped back, and he ended up not being with the organization anymore. Does that hurt? Yes, it does. But when you're dealing with prospects, you have to deal with their, the, the value at the time of their trade, when they were traded, because there's plenty of guys who have been traded as prospects who ended up being nothing. And when at the, but at the time they were traded, they were seen as having value. But there's a reason why prospects do not have as much trade value as a guy who has a proven major league track record, because there's always a chance that they f- completely flame out or they take a step back and they're not going to re- they're not going to come close to reaching their ceiling. You know, guys who we thought would be ones and twos in a rotation ends up being you know like a five year you know, a fifth spot starter for a couple of years. Not that that say that doesn't a guy that doesn't like that doesn't have value, but it's certainly not what you're hoping for when you get a guy back. But there's plenty of guys who have not pitched well who were like top prospects. Tyler Glasnow, when whenever he was pitching for Pittsburgh this year, looked awful, legitimately bad. When he's in the minors, looks great. Does that mean that he's going to be awful in the major leagues down the road? I don't know. But I know that when when his when he was given the opportunity, he did not pitch well. And when I say didn't pitch well, I mean like ERA over seven. And this was like a top ten prospect in baseball. And it happens all the time. You know, we ha- we see guys like Yon Moncada struggle when they get their first chance, or we see guys who were like top five prospects in baseball, like a Lucas Giolito all of a sudden get downgraded because when they go against higher levels of competition or there's a lingering injury thing or their mechanics get out of whack or whatever the reason is, there's a reason why prospects do not have as much trade value as a proven major league player. And unfortunately sometimes they don't work out and you feel really bad about the trade after the fact, but there's only so much you can do. End of song. That's that's, those are my thoughts. I really liked you selling that, so I really appreciate that. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you're you're right. It's one of the, I really wasn't. The whole goal was not to say, "Look how bad the trade is." I know that. I know it sort of reads that way in some ways, and I, I understand that. It and the Ibar thing. I will be the first to say, like, the deal was not about Eric Ibar, but they did think Eric Ibar was going to be able to be able to play competent shortstop, and he and he couldn't, which makes the deal look a lot worse. Um, and I fully, 100% agree with your point on Simmons' offense. I don't think we ever saw something that would tell us to think that this kind of offensive output was, was coming from Simmons. Uh, and by the way, it's only one year, so it might be just a, an outlier. I, haven't, I, haven't, I, I will be honest and say I haven't done the full-blown deep dive into his you know, batted ball profile this year, all, all those kind of things. Uh, if he's this guy now, then he's one of the top you know, 20 players in the league. He might be that. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I, I would say I would take the under on that. Yeah, I mean – and I look forward to your column on the Mark Teixeira trade next week. Appreciate oh, it. yeah, it's com- it's coming. I'm t- relitigating the Mark Teixeira. Actually, that'd be a great that'd be a great column. Uh, but no, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, 
uh, it was just an observation, and I think people just didn't kind of know how good he's been this year more than anything. That was what kind of hooked me in the first place is that I didn't realize how good he'd been uh, this season. So people are mad at me. I understand that. It's fine. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate your defense because I think you've made a lot of good points there that I probably should have made. So maybe we should, maybe, maybe we should collaborate more often, Eric. Um, <laughs> I think it's far more likely that if you and I were to collaborate, I'd be busting on you for most of the time if I'm just being honest. Well, that's, uh, that's what this podcast is, but uh, it, it is what it is. It would be, still be productive. I like that. I'm here for you, sir. Uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate it. Uh, one more thing before we get into uh, sort of your land with some Fangraphs talk is uh, Lucas Sims now has four starts under his belt. The numbers are not fantastic. Uh, and for me, the big surprise is that he's not striking anybody out, which is the one thing that he always did. Um, what have you seen from Sims? It's, it's, it's 22 innings, so I, I'd be careful to not uh, take huge uh, takeaways. And he would actually uh, probably his best start at his last start against Colorado. So that's worth noting too. But what, what have you seen from Sims so far at the major league level? Very similar to what we've seen him in the minors, and we I've got we got a lot of flack from from folks this year that we weren't ranking him particularly highly because the results in the minors were good. Um, in that I don't think his fastball I think his fastball doesn't have. There are some things that suggest that he has gets movement on his fastball, and that those are legitimate. I just don't think he gets the kind of movement that will generate swings and misses or generate weak contact enough to ju- to think that he will have a sustainable career as a major league starter. Uh, combined with the fact that he does have a propensity when things get rough to start walking guys like crazy, uh, and his changeup is okay. At, you know, it, sometimes it, fla- it flashes above average. I would say it's only kind of an average cha- changeup. That, that's problematic. And what we're seeing is that even though he doesn't have the stuff – to be like a like a really good starter necessarily, what's happening is that he knows how to pitch and he's been keeping his pitches down and he's inducing a ton of ground balls and kind of inducing those kind of those weak fly ball outs, which have resulted in him being able to keep himself in games and getting himself out of trouble. And he had to do that a lot in the minor, the minors this year, and he did so. So that I feel like that's an ev- uh, speaks to his evolution in terms of like his ability to execute his pitches. I'm just not sure if it's necessarily sustainable. And at some point I th- I think he kind of turns into a pumpkin. I don't necessarily think he makes it as a major league starter. Now, that said, he's an interesting guy for the bullpen because I do think his stuff would play up if he was able to throw harder in shorter stints out of the bullpen. Uh, and it's kind of taken me a long time to get there, but for right now, that all of that said, for right now he's been okay. I don't think he's been good. But I don't think he's been awful either. I don't think he's pitched himself out of that rotation. There's other, there's other, there's other candidates who have probably struggled more, and we have more questions about than him. So for right now, he's looked okay. Uh, he's in his first few starts. That's perfectly a reasonable thing to expect. The strikeouts, I, I assume he's going to end up striking out more batters. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how many more remains to be seen? Yeah, I think I'm with you on pretty much all that. I, I don't imagine he'll be striking out less than five per nine. That's just not the pitcher he is. Um, yeah, and and a, a start against Colorado in terms of strikeout numbers for a guy who one of his bigger strikeout pitches is his curveball. Uh, curveballs in Colorado, they, they, they don't go, always they, they yeah, don't they, they don't always do what you want them to do. Yeah, they go to die uh, in Denver. So uh, I just want to hit on that a little bit just because he's interesting. Oh, I do have a couple of questions actually. That was kind of the same question. It was basically if Ari Dickey isn't back or kind of whatever whatever. Simulation of the same question that you want to ask as to kind of what these what the rotation would look like next year of guys that are only in the organization. Uh, I think we can probably assume you know Tehran, Newcomb, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But what do you think that would look like, especially if Dickey doesn't come back? Because it's 
it gets kind of funny, and I'm pretty sure they would not just be going inside the system if this happened. But for the purposes of this exercise, like I, I guess, what, what would be the best five you think for 2018? Because uh, obviously, some of the more uh, the, the the more high profile names, maybe a Jahara would be in, uh, be in the mix there. But what are you seeing in terms of that? I know it's kind of sort of a weird question as of now, but worth asking. I think I think the two guys that are on the major league roster in Sims and Freed are probably the guys who have the kind of the front row ticket to that job right now. Like they're at the front of that line. Uh, don't sleep on Colby Allard or Mike Soroka though. Uh, I, th- I I see that happening. Johara has pitched really well. I'm a little worried because he took a line drive off the hand uh, yesterday uh, and was pitching really well in a game of Gwinnett. So hopefully that's just a that's just you know he got pulled from that game simply because you know getting hit by line drives hurts. <laughs> and you don't necessarily want to like you know run a guy out there right after that. So I mean, Johara's right there. I would say that Sims and Freed, assuming that they pitch reasonably well, are kind of the the favorites for that job. But I mean, Soroka and Al are going to be pitching for four rotation spots in spring training. And assuming both finish out the year well, Al Allard is really finishing the year strong. Soroka's kind of faltered a little bit, had a couple of rocky starts here and there. Uh, but both have been pitching overall overall pitch extraordinarily well this year. Uh, and will definitely get long looks at that ro- those rotation spots. But, I mean, it depends if the Braves want to bring back Dickey. I know that, you know, I think that it was D.O.B. who said that, you know, Dickey might might just retire. Uh, it's not – maybe not be a question of him pitching somewhere else. So the, – and the Braves are have been looking – it's no secret they've been looking for controllable star, starting pitchers uh, since last year's trade deadline. So they're, they're going to be active in a lot of markets. So speculating too much kind of can get yourself in trouble. But, you know – I would say that the guys who are on the major league roster probably have the best chances because they have that major league experience, but they're going to have to they're going to have to beat out some really hard charges from some of these guys that are a little further away. Yep, that sounds about right on all counts, and uh, I've kind of I'm with you on that all the way. Um, all right, this takes us to our, probably our last topic of the podcast, which is going to be the Fangraphs top top 100 that came out this week. Uh, there's one guy we'll talk about at, at the top who I'll leave off, and we'll do that last because it's uh, going to be fun. Uh, aside from that guy, uh, Ozzy Albies at 12, Luis, Luis Jahara at 42, Colby Allard at 65, Kevin Maiton at 67, Ian Anderson 69, Mike Soroka, your boy, at 72. Too low. I, I, I had a feeling. Uh, <laughs> Joey Wentz at 74 surprised me, and... Uh, Christian, is it Pache or Pache? I never do. I always do this. Pache. Pache at 100. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Those, those last two guys were surprising in their inclusion for me. Uh, the, the order of the other guys and just uh, how low Soroka was, I knew you'd uh, sort of uh, stop on that at some point. Uh, so I, I guess overall thoughts and uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Sure. Uh, first, let's just be abundantly clear. Top 100 lists are extraordinarily hard to write. Yes. And that if you have if you have a half a letter, like a half a grade lower on a guy, which isn't like saying you hate somebody, but if you're half a grade lower, it can alter a guy's rating by 30 spots. <laughs> and I the, the guys who write these lists between MLB Pipeline, Fangraphs, uh, Baseball America, all these folks who make top 100 lists get so much hate uh, from, from folks that it's hard for me to understand because – all, it's, all hard, man. It, it, it's hard to do and there's a lot of good baseball players and if you if you see a Mike Soroka or if you see a, a Colby Allard or if you see an Ozzy Albies and say actually I do have some questions as to whether or not you know his his fastball will play or he'll be able to hit from the left side or whatever you know and that just alters you know instead of a, a 55 future value or something like that you put him at a 50 like if you're grouping guys by future values and you're looking at it all of a sudden, that future that that difference makes such a big difference in the number. It it's 
I don't think there's as big a difference between 30 and 60 as some people think. And I don't think that there's as big a difference between 60 and 100 as people think. So I, I, I just wanted to say that if we could just kind of tone down, don't tone down the hate of towards folks in terms of like where guys get ranked, because I don't think it's as big a difference as people think it is. We, we do our top 30 list each year and it's like painful for us to like, you know, choose like one guy over the other. Cause you know, like a guy who's at 11 and a guy who's at 15, we, we're not saying we hate the guy at 15. It's just, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I, I understand just how difficult it is. Uh, I personally would have ranked Mike Soroka higher. I think he's like a top 40 prospect in baseball. That said, if you still have concerns that his stuff isn't good enough, I don't necessarily think you're what you might have caught. There are days where his, you know, his break ball might not break as much or his fastball might not sink as well uh, that you could watch and you might not be as impressed. So I could understand why this ranking would happen. But at the same time, uh, I think the vast majority of his track record and his ability to just get outs whenever he needs to, regardless of what what's working that night or not. Uh, I think that pushes him towards, you know, towards their, that upper echelon. Uh, I really like the aggressive leading on, jo- on Luis Johara. I think his fastball slider combo is one of the better two pitch combinations in the system and possibly in all of minor league baseball. The, the, when you have a fastball that can run to- headed towards tri- triple digits and a slider that, you know, attacks people's back ankles, that's always a good thing. Uh, I don't necessarily have as many problems with Ozzy at twelve as others, simply because he did have stretches where he didn't look, you know, he didn't look particularly great from the left side, and that's possible. That's a lingering effect from his injury. Wait, wait, which pe- is, people thought he was too too low at twelve. Yes. Ooh. Yes. I did not happened. have that reaction, and well, my, your, your, your 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 Twitter feed is a much different place than mine. Well, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not that surprised because you know people if, thought he was a top prospect. People just think he's a top prospect in baseball. And that's a, a perfectly valid claim to make because I think he's very good. But twelve, but, is, but twelve is really, really high. Like twelve is yes, really good. Yes, yes, twelve is very, very high. Uh, and I, he's still really, really good. You know, and there are some there are, there are some scouts who have concerns about his ability to drive the ball from the left side simply because you know I think he might have had some lingering effects that kind of messed up his swing a little bit. Uh, from when he got hurt, and which wouldn't be crazy because he broke the tip off his elbow. <laughs> so, but that's also a legitimate concern to have about a guy. Uh, in terms of his overall offensive profile and his offensive production. That said, he's still really, really good. He's going to be really, really good. Just don't, you know, <laughs> don't get too hung up on him being at 12. Uh, I I think 12 is a perfectly fine spot for him. Um, in terms of the last two, which are kind of the, the bigger ones that I wanted to kind of touch on, Joey Wentz has been pitching out of his mind. Yes, he has. Uh, the second half, he's been unbelievably good. His curveball is amazing. Uh, his fastball wasn't what we thought it was before the draft, but he's still hitting like 91, 92 every start, and he just hits his spots every time. And it's just there. I I have heard from more than one person uh, who have talked, to, and 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 these are from folks who have talked to scouts who think that Wentz could end up being the best pitching prospect in the system by the end of next year. And that's crazy in this system. Yeah, that's he's, pretty he, high praise, man. Yeah, you know he's. He he has a projectable frame. He could he could end up getting better and stronger and throw harder. He's there's a lot to like about what he's done. Uh, he's gonna win the probably gonna win the South Atlantic League ERA title this year, which the Braves haven't had one of the player win that in a long time. Um, he's he's just been great. You know, there's not there's you know between him and Bryce Wilson, the Rome rotation has been really uh, Andy and Anderson. Uh, he the, those three guys have been a real treat to watch in Rome. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Pache is an interesting case because he's had. Stretches where he hasn't hit particularly well, and the power certainly hasn't been there. But he's stolen, I think he's at 29 bases this year, and plays like elite major league center field defense right now. Has a strong arm, great range, great instincts, great route running. 
guys who have, can play center field that well and also have upside in other areas, you know, stealing base, you know, he has a, a legitimate speed tool, needs to work a little bit on uh, getting on base more and, you know, driving the ball with more authority. But this is a kid who's 18 years old, is just going to get stronger, and certainly hasn't looked overmatched at Rome. He's just, you know, kind of hasn't excelled there necessarily. Uh, has also been hitting well lately. If he finishes the year strong, if he's a guy who's hitting 280 and stolen 30-plus bases and plays elite center field defense, he should be on the top 100 list. Uh, there are some relatively high-profile folks who have disagreed with that assessment. I would wager that those people probably have not watched him play. Yeah, I mean, that was the big question. And admittedly, I'm not seeing a ton of him either, but there was like this wild reaction of like, there's no way he's there. And I'm like, I mean, everything I see and read would tell me that that makes some sense. I mean, you, you could think that he's 110th instead of 100th, but I, like. I, I would wager that those players have, those, those people have not watched him play for any appreciable amount of time and probably just look at a box, a, a stat line and say, where are the home runs and where are the doubles? And that's, and I mean, that, I, I get it, man, because not everybody that does this, like, has time, but, like, don't, I'm more than willing to say my, what I don't do when it comes to the it seems like a, It seems like a strange hill to die on. That's yeah, all it, just really, it really does. It's one of those things where, like, I'll, I'll be the first to tell, and I'm, I'm honest on the podcast, like, this is not my area of strength. That's why I have people like you on and ask you questions to say, hey, Eric, what do you think? Because I can, I mean, I've always, I see something, I see these guys one 20th of how many of how often you see them so why am i going to argue about this kind of stuff especially in the low minors like there's no way people are watching him play he's 18 years old like unless you're there and like unless you do this for not even a living but unless you do this for like approaching yeah, definitely, a living, not a, def- definitely not a living. i understand <laughs> i almost why i said that i mean i i, I full i fully well i thought i had no full well what we don't make um but uh <laughs> it's one of those things man like if I if I see if I see enough scouting reports for people that I trust and like especially for a guy like this where clearly his value is is a lot of his value is defensively like you have to understand that that's not going to be part of the evaluation is you can't just go box score on it's like it's like doing Anderson Simmons by the box score if you look at, even even as a prospect it's like hey oh this guy looks just like he's okay it's like oh by the way he's Ozzy Smith with his glove at shortstop it's like that kind of matters no yep. <laughs> It's just crazy to me. Like people just ignore defense altogether. That's the sort of another hill to die on in itself. But um, especially if you're if you're going to go box score scouting, you might want to consider the guy's defensive profile. It kind of matters a little bit. Anyway, rant over, yeah, uh, Eric. Yeah. I, I just rant. <laughs> I just rant like you do yeah. all the time. It, it, it's good. It, it, industry loves industry loves him. Scouts really do like him. Has some work to do. That does not mean he's not a top one hundred prospect. And I could find several members of the top one hundred prospect that should be lower than he is. So. You know, that's just me. Uh, but some folks want to, you know, say that, you know, he's not, he hasn't hit 10 home runs and have 40 doubles and say he can't possibly play center field. And that's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> we'll see what happens. He's, he's very young. So it's one of those things where like it could, people could look dumb for liking him because he's so far away. That's what happens. Like guys, sure. guys flame out, but uh, he also could be awesome. We'll see. Uh, well, let's talk about the guy who's at the top. It was not actually not hey. at the very top. Uh, number five overall on this list is, uh, your boy Ronald Acuna, who's been out of his gourd uh, yet again, now in AAA, lighting the world on fire. I got a lot of questions about him, one of which was about um, the more likely Bray to be the next MVP between Freeman and Acuna. That that amused me uh, endlessly and because I actually had to think about it for a second. That was the wildest part. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just leave the floor open for you, man. Let's talk about him because 
I know we talk about him all the time, but not like super detailed. I, I know he's like sort of a huge topic right now, even, even across baseball, because we've all been talking about Acuna for a long time. But, you know, across the league, it feels like he's finally like becoming the guy people like that we always kind of knew he was the last year or so. Now people are thinking about him that way across the country. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I would like to direct everyone's attention to the the previous editions of the Talking Top Chop Prospects lists. You'll notice that Ronald Acuna's name has appeared on them on multiple occasions. Yes, they have. Yes, 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 he has. For for quite some time now. Uh, he's just so good. I wish I had a better, like, you know, a, a more concise way of saying it. He he does everything that you'd want a baseball player and a prospect to do well. He's excelled. At a young age, against more advanced competition, he gets better and better by month, by level, by whatever you want measure you want to say. He has just gotten better, and I mean now he's hitting three fifty five in Triple A now. Uh, <laughs> he has hit twenty home runs this year, stolen almost forty bases. On base percentage on the year three eighty seems pretty good. Uh, you know, strikeout rate's gone down. Uh, that said, walk rate has gone down a good bit at AAA, but that'll happen when you're hitting the cover off the ball. He's hitting, you know, he has hits in eight straight games. Most of those games are multi-hit games. He's been hitting home runs. He's been driving in runs. I, he's, I think he's the best prospect in baseball. I, I there's compelling arguments for a few guys there with you know Vladdy Jr. and you know guys like Eloy Jimenez, and there there are some really good prospects in baseball. And if you have that guy ranked. Slightly ahead of Ronald Acuna, I am certainly not going to come at you. But at the same time, this guy's in the conversation, and I think he's probably a top three prospect in baseball. I think he's going to be great. Does things. True five tool player has done more. Has exceeded even our lofty expectations when we fell in love with him. It's just been a joy to watch. It really has, and like, I mean, I guess the elephant in the room now is like, when's he coming up? Because people keep asking even me like knowing that I don't have an answer for them but I'm sure people ask you all the time what's been your par- uh, what's been your, what's been your party line and has it changed and kind of uh, I mean give me give me the give me the earliest and latest I guess at this point you know barring injury and stuff like that give me like the whole spectrum as to when he could arrive because I, I don't know there for better or worse there are a ton of Braves fans that don't care about guys till they arrive in Atlanta which I understand um, so tell tell those people what to think about Acuna and like when they expect expect to see him I guess I don't think that you promote him from high A to start the year to triple A this now if you don't have the expectation of him being on the opening day roster in 2018. I just don't think it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, service time notwithstanding, this is a front office who has publicly said that service time is not going to be a consideration if they think a guy is ready. I'm not sure what this guy has to do to convince people that he's ready, but I'm pretty sure an over a thousand OPS at triple A over you know 40 games or so is up there when you're considering you would promote him so quickly. That said, I don't think he'll be a September call-up just because of the, all the, the 40-man roster stuff. But nothing surprises me with their handling with Acuna anymore. I, I thought that they were going to give him time to kind of really dominate in high A and double A to kind of, you know, set himself up to maybe, you know, getting that spring training invite, performing really well, maybe getting called up sometime next season. But now that they've promoted him again to AAA, the sky's the limit for him. If they promote, if they made him a September call-up. It would get people really excited, uh, certainly people like me anyway, but I think the most likely outcome is going to be opening day 2018, uh, and that raises some interesting questions as to what you do with that outfield, but uh, I, I, that's, my best, that's my best guess right now. 
that, that's another podcast altogether about 2018 outfield. But you know, if if I told you Acuna was promoted two weeks from today, so it's like September 3rd, your reaction will be what? Uh, I would make sure that's a home game because I would definitely be there. That that's not what I asked you though. Your reaction though, like it, analytically, I, I, I would be as an analyst of what you, you do this for. You do you do this. This is what you do. What, what would your like take take the excitement level out of it? Because it would obviously okay. be fun okay. for everybody. Okay. But what would your analysis hat say? I would worry a little bit that he was being rushed, but with the understanding that all this guy's done has defied all expectations. So it would be very excited. I would have a little worry, but at the same time, this guy, this kid's so talented. <laughs> he would probably just come up and light the world on fire. So, you know, what do I know about anything? That's it's probably fair. I think I'd be a little worried uh, myself. Um, I, I, you know, I've I've written an article about that they've really kind of banked on how they promoted guys this year. That they've really banked on 2018 because if you take all your best prospects and you promote them all quickly, and that you end up doing it too quickly, that could be really bad. But all it's these guys, risky. Be, uh, uh, but it's it's very risky, very risky. Now that said, all these guys have done is maybe look stupid for saying anything about it. So. You know, again, what do I know about anything? He's he's great. <laughs> he's uh, I I would be surprised if they did it. I think that they, I think there's a limit to what they're willing to push guys. And with all the other logistical stuff, I don't think that they'll do it. But well, I mean, one of those things, by the way, is that if they if they have a healthy if they have a healthy combination of Kip and Markakis, this shouldn't matter, but it does. Like if they could think that he's ready to go on September 10th. But if Marquegas and Kemp are healthy, you don't do it because they're not going to just bench those guys. And if you're going to bring him up, he's got to play every here, here, day. Okay, 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 here's my question. Okay, this is for you. Nick Marquegas sprains his ankle. I mean, do you call him up? I, he's out three. He's out three weeks. I w- I wouldn't, but you're at least provided cover then because my thing is I just don't with Marquegas and Kemp both under contract for next year. I don't think you can look at those guys and say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna play the kid now." Like, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that. I'm saying from the Braves' standpoint, knowing that they have these two guys making eight figures for next season and Kemp's for two more seasons, then you're gonna tell them, uh, "We know you're healthy, but go ahead and take the rest of the month off because we're gonna we're gonna play Ronald Acuna." I I I I think that that is a very accurate way of looking at it. I mean, if one of them's it's, hurt, it's like, hard to keep. It's it, one of them's heart. It's a different ball game, but right now, right now, you have this guy who would make your team significantly better. Yeah, I mean, I, by the way, I, this is it's, just it's, me it's talking. A tough, it's, yeah, this is my opinion. I wouldn't do it either way. Um, this is I, I'm always more cautious than anything else, and because I just don't see that much upside to doing it for three weeks. Uh, I, as young as he is, and as many levels he's jumped in one season. I get that it would be awesome. If it happens, I'll be super duper excited and it'll be must-see TV for like the entire month because um, you're talking about a lineup that then like in 2017, you're looking at a lineup that has Albie Swanson and Acuna in every night and Freddie Freeman, obviously. Like that's a lot of fun, man. Like I'm all yeah. in. But and, and, and we might not get to see Albies because if you have your way, he's going to be traded off in the offseason. That's not true. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying that. Uh, but listen, man, I mean, if you're, if you're – if you could give me the, the sneak preview of a team that has those two guys in middle infield, Freeman, Enciarte, and Acuna, that's that's exciting. That's five of your guys who you think are going to be on the team when you're when you're a title contender in a few years. Yep. I mean that's that's a lot of fun. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that side of it, obviously. But for me, I don't think there's anything that Cooney can do this year to where I would call him up. But he's also not, he's also the guy where I won't be upset either. It's one of those things where he's done so much on the field. It's not just projection. Like, he's just lighting the world on fire. Like, you can't. And, and, and the thing is, you see him and you think he's already doing this, and I could see him growing and doing more. Somehow, it's possible. He looks like a kid. I mean, if you he's have not, me, he, he's, he, <laughs> if you have me, like Mister Negative, like fawning all over you, like, come on, man, like I don't do this about prospects. The last time I did this was, I don't even remember. Maybe Hayward? it was Jason. It was it was Jason Hayward. Yeah, it had to come be on, Hayward. Yeah. And like, but even Who then, you, I'm not sure I was excited even about Hayward as I am about Acuna. Like before he came up, I mean, like yeah, well, fair enough. Hayward early on when he was like posting five WAR in, in the majors, like yeah, I was all in. I had I, I have his jersey in my closet. Um, but before they actually, before they actually arrive, I mean, maybe you go back to Andrew and I was 11. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, it's, well, it's wild. No, knowledge about prospects and the way information is disseminated by prospects it's is vastly changed. different. It's yeah, yeah. vastly different. And I was 11. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was like super in the know on Andrew Jones. Yeah, it was did, like, wow, did, this did, guy's did, 19 he's, he's, and he's awesome. Sign me up. Did you have um, baseball? Did you have Baseball America subscription back then? Uh, I don't believe I did at eleven. Uh, but it's one of those things, man. I just ah, parenting you, gone wrong. You could hear it. You could hear it in my voice here. Like I don't, I don't get it. Like there's guys I like, and I was excited about Swanson when he came up, and you know he was the number one overall pick. I get all that. Um, I'm legitimately like fired up to see Ronald Acuna running around Sutrest Park. Like it's gonna be nuts. But for me, I'll say that again. I would wait until April, and provided he's like reasonable in spring training. I mean, you're not let, if I'm making a decision, Marquez is not standing in the way of Ronald Acuna. I don't care if you have to make Marquez an $11 million bench bat. Like, you, you don't not, you don't just, you just start him every day. It doesn't matter. I, I, I do not disagree, and I would also probably not call him up. Uh, that said, nothing about this kid surprises me, and I think that the Braves know how just how special he is, and what they do with that information remains to be seen. Yeah, I won't be surprised. That's the craziest thing, is that I will not be shocked if he goes from high A to the majors. In one season, which is uh, wild, absolutely crazy. Well, Eric, I told you I wouldn't keep you more than an hour. It's we're at an hour right now, so I have to let you get out of here, man. Uh, but please plug anything you'd like to plug aside from the Ronald Acuna traveling roadshow. Get anything else you want to get out there, please. All right, first of all, if you want to, you know, take a look at the Ronald Acuna traveling roadshow, you can follow me on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. Uh, I am writing fairly frequently on Talking Chop between minor league recaps and just my random rantings. Uh, as well, uh, in terms of you know more editorial type content. Uh, also, the Road to Atlanta podcast is now going to be posted more regularly now that my computer is not desperately trying to yeah. rebel against me. It was oh, it was brutal. I had like sound card issues; it wouldn't read my, wouldn't recognize my mic, and then I couldn't get the recorder to work. But we're good now, so everything seems to be working fine. So the Road to Atlanta podcast is a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. Uh, when new episodes come out, you can find it on SoundCloud and iTunes, or you can just follow us on Twitter at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Uh, where we you know, post about Braves Prospect stuff as well as when new shows come out. Uh, it's a ton of fun. Garrett Spain and Garab Vidak are my co-hosts there. Uh, Matt Powers is functionally a co-host now. He's on the show so much. Uh, those guys are great. Love working with them each week, uh, not just on the podcast, but just on the minor league side in general. Uh, you should go immediately go follow all those guys. They're among my favorite people in the world. Uh, I would definitely agree with all of that and uh, follow Eric and those guys. Uh, they say bye behind on a regular basis on prospect stuff. So uh, check out the site and uh, 
Road to Atlanta, all those fun things. I am a firm subscriber to Road to, Road to Atlanta. I, I, I was uh, sort of going through withdrawal when you guys weren't posting shows, and now I know why. I never asked you why, and that, that would explain it. So, My, uh, the, 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 between real life stuff and then the technology issues, the struggle was real. Uh, I, I understand fully, my friend. Well, uh, thanks again, Eric, for joining me, man. I'll let you guys, I'll let you get back to uh, family life over there. But I uh, appreciate you all. Appreciate you coming on as always. Thank you, friend. Uh, as for everybody else, we'll be back again next week. Uh, hopefully, no more technology issues, and we'll be here every week from now to the end, until the end of the season and beyond that. So, uh, please check out thetalkingchop.com, all that fun stuff, and we'll see you guys again next Sunday. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.